The silence frightens me. Hello, world. I'm Eric Dye. I'm Jeremy Smith. And I'm Phil Schneider. And you're listening to Church Mag Podcast number 155. YouTube, I feel like, is starting to become more like a TV network than it is what Google was. We have to start somewhere when it comes to unity. And why not church communication? Every action is a, is a statement. This week's podcast is brought to you by Rethinking Your Church Website Strategy. This ebook from Jonathan Malm covers what information you need on your church website, how to help your guests find what they need, and user experience information. All these principles are applied to a real-life church website so you can follow along. Get ready to change the way you think about your church website. Get ready to make something completely unique and completely effective for your church. Get your copy today from Church Mag Press at churchmag.press. That's churchmag.press. With the Easter push behind us, Phil, Jeremy, and myself talk a little bit about everything. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. If you want to join in by asking a question or leaving a comment, send us an email to podcast at churchmag or use the churchmag podcast hashtag cmagcast. Now, let the fun begin. Welcome to another episode of the Church Mag Podcast. We're coming off of the Easter week. Uh, last week, everyone was just grinding away, getting stuff done, getting ready for Easter. That's behind us now. And uh, yeah. Um, all you church techs out there, all you media communication, all you church staff people, or and volunteers for that matter, um, you know it's the it's the Super Bowl Sunday of all Sundays. So we hats off to you and a job well done and all that awesomeness. This week uh, we're gonna just kind of have a, a grab bag episode. We're gonna talk a little bit of this and a little bit of that, kind of put our minds in neutral a little bit. Uh, but before we dive in too much, let's go ahead and take a look at a recent, let's let's take a look at a iTunes review that you guys so graciously gave us. Several podcasts ago, we talked about our, our frustration, or I echoed my frustration, about the iTunes reviews and the fact that you have to flip through every country and, and that sort of thing. And one of our great listeners, John Wilkerson, gave us the link to a place... John Workerson gave us a link to a place called My Podcast Reviews. And now they have some different tiers of plans. And uh, what they do, like the most basic plan, every month they give you an email and it shows you all the iTunes reviews that you got from all the stores. It's very, it's so awesome. It's, 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 it's going to be wonderful now. We can easily scoop up all your reviews no matter which country you're leaving it from. And Ben13Soccer said about the Church Mag podcast, he gave us five out of five stars guys he said one of the best church tech podcasts out there very entertaining and informative yeah it can be I, i'm one of those people that if it's too much in the mind too much like rational stuff it's just so boring and dry but if it's only comedy i don't want to be just so that's exactly how i want to be jeremy that's exactly what you want to be. I'm the I'm the I'm the bear riding the tiny little car in the circus. Sounds like an awful, awful uh, experience for me because that would just drive me mad trying to set something up like that. It's because you're the sad clown. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! We have uh, we have we have Phil the driving bear and Jeremy the sad clown. I don't even want to know. I don't even want to know what I am. Um, <laughs> 
So thank you for your review, Ben Thirteen Sucker. We love iTunes reviews. Um, it's a it's a it's a great encouragement, and it's fun to read them and share them. So go ahead, get on, jump on there, leave us a review, and we will read yours next time. So leave your reviews and we'll um, read them. That's both that is both a promise and a threat. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. And 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 Phil may or may not be forced to read them with an accent in the future. I will, I will in some way mock or denigrate your place of origin. <laughs> I won't do that. That's terrible. We stopped doing the accents because it got a, it got a little bit imperialistic. It, and it did. It did. It felt wrong. Not not necessarily because you personally are imperialistic as much as your the the ceiling of the height of your accents is limited in some areas it's like okay it's like it's like this all right it was really hard for a this is, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a comedian here but it's really hard for a, a british person with any kind of historical sense and also a conscience to walk into a museum and not feel like they're in an active crime scene okay and as an american a citizen of the new empire it's hard for me to do funny accents without realizing that for someone this isn't funny it's just a, it's just one more link in a long chain exactly. of white they, people being li- rude to them life gets increasingly com- more and more complicated i'm i'm pretty sure of it yeah. by the way uh yesterday i'm this is off topic and not that we have a topic yet but i'll just go and throw this in there and eric and you can figure out where it fits in the podcast we were passing out granola bars yesterday on good friday for our you know easter promo a little bit of offline marketing and um this guy pulled by and he's a truck and it's, uh, it's got a trailer attached and the trailer's dragging a, a race car and the race car is painted all black and on the frame it says in big letters black cars matter Oh gosh! And I was like, you know, man, I th- I know you think you're being funny, but what you're doing right there is belittling someone's entire, I mean, one their ethnicity, but two, you're you're belittling an entire ex- existential crisis that, that a whole segment of population is having right now. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yep, I was appreciating my time at that point. Yeah, that's that's sad, you know, and and you know, like we talked about a few weeks ago about church marketing and how. We want to look at it. How does this look like in the eyes of other churches in my area? What am I trying to say? What kind of message is, is does this say to them? And, and that's kind of a similar thing, right? Like, what does that message say to somebody else? And it's just, it's exactly that, Phil. It says, you know, I don't understand. I don't care. All the things that they're not trying to say. They're trying to be funny, but it's not. That's why those things are, that's why those things aren't funny. That's why we stopped doing the accents. Right, right. Okay. Well, on that note, um, yes. So Easter's behind us. Uh, you you said your your church passed out the breakfast granola bars on what day? Friday. Yes. Good Friday. See, that's cool. Now, d- tell us. Just give us a quick sn- quick snippet of 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 what you guys do when you do that. Like, what does that look like as far as your your outreach? Okay. Well, it's just, it's one of several things we do, but every, every good Friday for probably the past like eight or nine years, we have, um, purchased tons of granola bars. Like last, yesterday we had nine boxes. There's probably 50 in a box. So let's say 450 granola bars. And, um, we put labels on them saying, you know, our church name and website and our service times for Sunday. But basically when I'm, Hand them out. I go here. You go. Here's a, here's uh, here's a free granola bar. Happy Easter, and that's it. I don't make a pitch. I don't ask them to come to church. 
just give them the granola bar. They want to read the label. They can't. Otherwise, it's trying to be friendly. Is my is my my thing. We've got signs out in front of us before before this before we before you reach us at the stop sign that says free. Because in our town, there's basically two main intersections for people driving in town, and the there's a few other like charitable in quotes charitable groups that's that stick out those intersections twice a year that ask for money in exchange for like a Tootsie Roll, you know. <laughs> And it's amazing how many folks will look at this. Look at the sign. It says free in giant letters. Look at me and then look straight ahead and not move their head until they, they pass the intersection because they think the free is like free with a donation, you know? And when folks would pull up, I could see folks reaching for their wallets. like trying to dig their wallet out of their back pocket as they pull up. And I'm like waving them down. I'm like, no, 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 literally, it's free. No money involved. And they go, oh, well, are you sure? Like, no, you know what? On second thought, give me your money. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I had people who were shocked that a church did not want to take money from people. Mm. Mm. We refused all donations. So we probably could have made... Probably could have made easily a couple hundred bucks yesterday. Right. We refused all donations. I, I, lo- I like your church's approach where it it is, it's it's an outreach or it's it's marketing in some sense because, you know, you do put your, your address, your, you do put your church's contact in, in information. But at the same time, when people get a granola bar from some guy on the street, they need to know that it just didn't come from some guy on the street. Yeah. That it's an organization that's doing it. And so it isn't necessarily overly marketed in that sense it just gives some some oh it's safe to eat this this is a church yeah, giving yeah. away and and i really like i really like that approach that just just kind of a just a, a simple loving action to the local community in celebration of of easter you know and yep. to say hey you know th- this is real jesus is real we're doing this you know celebrate with us at this moment at this intersection by taking this freaking olive bar it's yep. pretty cool i think it's and you know what? it was literally one of the greatest little moments of like uh like here's the gospel writ, writ small because the sign says free i have a granola bar in my hand extended towards their car and people still try to hand me money but this is literally people who come to church and say, Jesus, thank you for your grace. I will now obey. I will now live a moral life and so so as to earn this. And then there are people who are like, oh, I can't go to church because I can't get my life cleaned up enough. So there's people yesterday who were driving around like, oh, I don't have any cash on me, so I don't want to I don't want to take those granola bars without paying. So there's people who are like, oh, I can't I can't live this life, so I'm even gonna try. And they ignore church and they ignore God. But literally, the message is, is, no, no, we know you can't obey. We know you can't pay. It's free. That's how bad, that's how bad a job we've done preaching the well, gospel. Well, yeah, maybe. Or or it being understood. Um, that kind of, that can kind of cut both ways, but... Um I think that's a re- that I think that's that's a really cool thing that your church does. I also think that's a pretty good uh, lesson that you're taking from it. Um, a few days ago, I saw an encouraging church marketing Easter Easter church marketing video. It was on I, I think it was a church communications group that I was in on Facebook, and um, the creator of the video said that he was at the gym and the bulletin board was just full of of Easter promotionals, you know, come to our church, come to our church, come to our church. And that inspired him to make a video uh, that they ended up putting up, putting out on YouTube. Um, I don't know if they did advertising on it or what, but they encouraged everyone in their church to share it. And he, he cut this video of standing in front of several churches in their community. And then he edit, edited it together so that it, you know, flowed 
you know, as he spoke, so it made sense. But then he 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 kept switching to different locations, and the thrust of the video was: Look, Easter's here. The, our community is celebrating, and the celebrations are happening at all these different churches. I encourage you to to go to one of them that you feel comfortable going to. Go to a Bible-believing church. This is our church. If you want to come here, we'll welcome you. But there's other good Bible-believing churches in our city, and you can go there as well. So pick one and go to it. And I thought it was so cool that he incorporated the other churches in their area. Now, he probably didn't do them all, because, you know, we've talked about this before. Sometimes there's theological things that can make us a little uncomfortable. But he was able to lower the threshold and include several other churches in the area. And I just thought it was like a really cool, low-pressure pitch for people to come to Easter by inc- being inclusive of other churches in the community. I thought it was pretty cool. That's cool. I've my church and I, we talked about how to, if we could do that effectively in our, in our area and we're just not sure, but that's something I think I would, I would love to be part of is encouraging, uh, encouraging churches to, you know, encourage church attendance and encourage the gospel mm-hmm. in the kingdom. Oh, even in general, beyond beyond Sunday, uh, beyond yeah. Easter well, morning. Like, yeah, that's pa- cool. And I, my pastor's pretty good about that. I think there's some things we could do. I would love to do more things in some aspects. But there's, I mean, to be honest, there's some churches I don't necessarily trust as they're Bible believing, but not Bible preaching. Makes sense. Like they they ostensibly believe the Bible, but their sermons are a little more like pep rallies. I don't know, but. Um, He's he'll, he'll say in his prayers, you know, we're, we're praying with folks who are saved. Like, God, pray that they uh, be to attend a Bible believing church, whether it's here or somewhere else. Bring them to a church where they can become part of the family and they can grow in the knowledge and in the love of the Lord. So it's like, like even even in our services, he gives folks it out. Like, hey, look, you got saved here, you don't have to stay here. We need to go somewhere. Yeah, I I, I liked um, you know. We got to start. We have to start somewhere when it comes to unity. And why not church communication? You know, because um, ultimately, you know, that's the goal. Um, we we say it is. I, I guess it's it's time that we start acting like it as well. Jeremy, what do you have for us this week? So, if you listen to podcasts, if you listen to enough of them, at least my own approach to podcasts is I listen through them. There's a couple that I just skip around in. The I I go for the beginning and the end bits, but. Um, I always hit the 30 seconds forward, 30 seconds back kind of approach. And I listened to a podcast called the Christian nerd that for some reason I never invested in doing. And I don't even know if iTunes supports this, um, but you can create podcasts that has chapters. And so I use uh, pocket cast for Android and I was listening to their, um, one of their episodes. And I think they were talking about, a new Marvel Marvel movie or some new super superhero movie that I didn't want to hear the spoilers that they had to say on it. Cause they're going to talk about it and just the theological implications of it and all the nerdiness. And so I looked down, I was sitting in the parking lot getting ready to get to the next part of it. And they said, if you don't want this, just skip to the next chapter. And they've said this before, but I've always wanted to listen in the past. And so I looked down at it and there's little arrows. And if you press forward on it, the way that they have it edited, you can skip to the next chapter and you don't have to hit skip forward, skip forward, skip forward over and over and over again, and then spoil the movie for yourself. So I thought it was really cool that you can do something like that. So if you go online, you search for different things. Um, the way that they have done it is that if you use uh, GarageBand, and Phil, I know you're a 
a super fan of GarageBand. Yay! Um, yeah, I opened the GarageBand yesterday. It's still loading. <laughs> you can you can uh, set it up so there's some and if you want to do this but you can set it up so that your podcast has chapters to it which i thought was really cool so for we're our type of a podcast it's just one big flow and so it's hard to kind of distinct it into actual uh, sections but i thought that was kind of cool for people that their podcast has distinct sections that people may want to jump back and forth between. And, and it's not even just to skip past something, but like if I want to reference it next time, maybe I want to just skip to that section and I don't know what the actual number is because each time it's different. This would be a great way of doing something like that. So it's just, it enhances the podcast experience pretty significantly for people. That That's an impressive option, especially on podcasts that do talk about movies and you you know, don't want to hit any spoilers. <laughs> it certainly beats people, you know, saying fast forward to the, you know, 15 minute and 30 second mark, you know, or something like well, that. Well, and it's not even like, a, I mean, that's what you're doing on the back end, but all the user has to know is, Hey, we have a, we have like a, exactly just hit next. Let's go over a comment. Someone did a, a rating. Someone did. And then we get into the meat of it. And then we get into the banter afterwards. And so you can just, jump to that whole section and you don't even have to worry about numbers or all that stuff, especially when you're running, you're driving, whatever else is going on. So that's just something that can be done through GarageBand. Yeah. That's how, that's how they showed it on one of the tutorials I looked. I don't know if any other platforms provide that option, but it's just the way that you set up the podcast itself in GarageBand that you can do that. And also in GarageBand, this is a feature I tried doing, but it guys are, GarageBand sucks so bad it wouldn't work. <laughs> but you can add in um, media or images to display in the podcast app for each chapter. I'll have to look at that. And I'm wondering if they use an like in a standard MP3 meta file. Well, I think so because it's it should no, it works in no. It, actually, I can guarantee it's not MP3 because you have to export it as an AAC file. Is that right, Eric? Oh, you know what? Probably is. But here's here's my question then, Jeremy. How does it work on an Android phone? I mean, that it, the Pocket Cast I have, it, that's what it, you get to work. It can change the image, and you can change the... Um, you can jump around to different sections. Right, but you can't stream an AAC file because not all devices can play that. Right, but you're not... Hopefully, you're not streaming. You're using some kind of podcast um, service, and so mm-hmm. it's uploading all that information. Because when they uploaded it, they had the sections, and I was able to use it. It's a huge file, too. Sure. If this is an Apple-only thing, to me, this is where, again, Apple keeps making the mistake of making everything so tight in their system. Like, that's a that's a great feature, but it'll never take off if it's only only made available to to a few people. Is, is it really to, so that they can sell you know, 500 more devices or do they really want to make their podcasting service that much better? I don't know if it works on Apple at all. I know that it works on Android. Oh, okay. AAC is not, is not an Apple proprietary format, but it's not a very popular format for podcasts because it's so, it's such a huge file. Right, because you can add all those other non-audio file things. To right, well, but even then, even the audio quality—it's a—it's a really high-end audio quality file as compared, compared to an MP3. Like the the Apple version of AAC is an M4A, um, or like M4B for like an audiobook. Um, but uh, you know, um, MP4 would be like more of a Windows or M4A. Well, actually, M4A can be a Windows version as well. I think. 
So I thought that was kind of cool, especially if you do like a church podcast where you pray at the beginning, you talk about some announcements. Yeah, I, there's definitely application. I just, I just wonder if there's a way to compress your audio a little bit more. Maybe, maybe the reason is not seeing it here. Yeah, that might just be have, have to be if you want to have that the sacrifice you have to make for it. Yeah, it might be. Or in uploading it, whatever service you're using does a conversion. Yeah, yeah, and it's definitely one of those things where you it it's all for the customer because you're doing a lot of extra work and ultimately possibly coming out with just this exact same product. So it's definitely uh, people that want to have that kind of a podcast investment in editing. It's probably as simple as getting your cursor at the time point, you know, double clicking or clicking on some menu item, typing in what that is and you're probably done. So it's probably not even really that time intensive. Definitely. I know in GarageBand, what you're doing is you're adding different tracks and so you're slicing it. So you have to go in and manually slice where you want it to be. But at that point, it's just several quick cuts uh, and then you, that's nifty. That's just changes for yourself. Well, uh, over the, um, over the past few weeks, there's been a few weird PR things. There was the United airlines thing, which just went just, wow. Thanks for the memories. Good grief. That's been all over the internet. Uh, but more interesting than that, I think is the Yahoo email, uh, thing, Jeremy. What do you know about that? It started with the meme that you had talked about where um, they posted on Twitter the issue of if you unsubscribe, if you want to unsubscribe to Yahoo, all you have to do is get the email and they'll send you an email saying confirm because that's what most services do is well, they'll send you an email saying, are you sure maybe you're an accidentally click the button or just we want you to stay. It's their last pitch. But when you look at the email, the thing that almost always is, Hey, click this to do what you wanted to do is actually no, uh, stay. And then under it. So that's like a big graphical button that they have. And then underneath in just hyperlink text is yes, I want to unsubscribe. And so they're not lying because the text there indicates it, but the visual representation of, um, yes, I want to unsubscribe, at least as far as your mind might be putting it, is in the button. And so you click it, but then you actually just stay on their their uh, subscription plan. And so that it just feels so super slimy in how they've designed their UX. Yeah, it's definitely some it's definitely some UI trickery going on right there. And 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 this is one thing that 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 uh, this brings to light to me this whole issue of. You know, ethical, legal, you know, is it legal? Yes. Is it ethical? No, it is not. And also the point of just because the numbers or the data says that X, Y, and Z is more effective, because I I imagine that by doing this, you know, if they did it, if they did an AB campaign on this, they would definitely find that that was far more effective. Doesn't mean that you should be doing that. And, you know, in church communication and marketing, we have to keep that in mind. You know, is is this what we really want to be doing? Who cares if it's the quote unquote most effective? It may not be the right thing to do. See, here's a problem, though, with this. This is a super slimy move from Yahoo. But Yahoo is super slimy. <laughs> and like they're they're really ineffective and they're they're bad at technology, which is sad because they're a technology corporation. Um, so it's like there's no there's there's no risk for them. That's why they do that kind of stuff. There's no risk because you know our grandpas and grandmas are going to switch their emails now. 
And, I, and I'm all for good design because you don't want to like highlight in big, bold letters. Hey, you can unsubscribe from this email because you're just introducing that into their thoughts. Um, so I'm fine with like plain text at the bottom of the page is usually where things are to get your preferences or unsubscribe or update things. So it's not like you're just boldly proclaiming it. Um, that in and of itself effective. You're always making sure that that link is available to them, but that, the intentional trickery that's in, intentional manipulation is the big issue for me on that end. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's uncool. Nice. And this is where we, this is where we see that, that design and doing things well matters because even though, you know, it, it wasn't their copy saying something, their UI definitely said something. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Every action is, is, is a statement. And this action says we value your patronage more than we value integrity. So whether you're putting text on the road sign, whether you're putting text on the roadway sign out from your church, whether it be a billboard ad, whether it be a mailer that you're using, you know, just because it works doesn't mean it's okay. Think about what you're doing. What what is your action saying to to the reader, the listener, the viewer? What what is it saying? To, what else might it be saying? What is the subtext? You know, ninety percent of human communication is nonverbal, and that definitely communicates a lot. Have you guys seen that happen in other areas, especially the internet that we could look out for? So obviously, email subscriptions would be a big one. But other ways that people have been scammy and slimy and just not ethical. Can I just, can we just pause for a moment, uh, a moment of silence to enjoy the fact that the popularity of pop-ups finally, finally went away. For a while there, that was like the big thing. Everyone, you know, statistics show I've got more signups if I use pop-ups, et cetera, et cetera. Man, we tried that on Church Mag for about three days, and I took that joker off because I'm like, I hate what this communicates. <laughs> yeah, I miss like the pop-ups. I miss the hello bars kind of stuff. You know, the that was kind of nice. Right. That was, oh, something, something new. Okay. Yeah. Something new. Subtle. But then it goes away. Something new. Yeah. And I could. I could yeah, but I can scroll. It doesn't impede my ability to scroll your site. Yeah, or if it stays there, it's just there, and you can scroll yep. past it. Yeah. Do you guys, do you guys know how Google's been fighting that to make that happen? They refuse to crawl those sites. Well, they are drastically penalizing you. So if you have a pop up that takes up more than half your page, especially with mobile devices, because that's where they see the biggest issue. Um, because that's how a lot of spammers go. And that's how a lot of malicious viruses get on your pages. They do a pop up. You accidentally click it. You go to some kind of download page and all of a sudden your phone's infected or you download, you try to download some kind of application that you didn't want to do. And so they're fighting it because there's a lot of, I mean, as much as it's unethical and scammy, it's actually a huge liability and security that you are promoting on your site. So if it takes up more than 50% of your page, if it's difficult to identify where it's X and, and it's any one of these, it can't, it doesn't have to be all of them. And if it's, uh, it's not part of a general access to some more information, but it's like here, get it on our newsletter or uh, click this product. They will drastically drop you from Google rankings for everything because it's not just that one page. And so you will get a humongous Google hits on your searches. And it, I mean, that's a penalty. that will stay with you for quite a while. 
And so now every time I see it, originally I was thinking, oh, this is so annoying. I know it's just one click, but they're just they're just worried about themselves and not about the product. Now it's like you're kind of getting what you deserve because you're not keeping up. You're just trying to maximize your your uh, profits in regards to your your viewers and you really don't care about us. Now you're going to get really hit, and I kind of feel sorry for you. Well, this is a situation where the power of Google makes the web a better place. But in all 1984, going full 1984, what happens when Google, you know, Google, that's a lot of power, you know. I mean, this is a situation where they're using that, that power well, and they're not being evil, but yikes. They've used that power on YouTubers the past two weeks, and it's crushing some of them. Yes, yes. I I shared... That their, yes. their, an, their anti-hate filter killed, killed a lot of good videos. Um, they lost their ads, and now they're upping, upping the payout limit, right? Yeah, they're upping the payout limit, limit the payout. to, to, to 10,000 views. I shared that article... Um, a couple of week, you know, last week, and I, my comment to it was: the golden age of YouTube is over. Like the ability to come on the scene, make yourself big, because because it's so mainstream. They're they're selling the the YouTube subscription, the the wild wild west of the internet, the golden age of blogging. Now the golden age of vi, uh, video blogs. Probably the um, the golden age of podcasts is probably about ready to, to sunset, I would imagine. You know, the internet is quickly becoming a different place. Well, I think podcasts might have more time, Eric, because there's no one dominant podcast distributor yet. I mean, so, iTunes had dominance, but they didn't, they didn't innovate enough. And so now you have things like Stitcher um, and other other apps that are going around the app, the Apple, you know, iTunes podcast store. Well, I just kind of mean even I mean, by the, the actual sheer quantity of them makes it kind of difficult. Oh, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, but a winnowing would not be a bad thing. There's a lot of bad podcasts out there. But I, let me let me reframe what you said. It's the gold the golden age to. of for YouTube <laughs> creators. Right. Is okay. Gone. Okay. That's true. That's okay. True. That's a very good point. That's a good the, point yeah. Hey, let's make ten bucks. That'll be easy for me to do. Is gone now. I think the golden age of TV was back when the Golden Girls were on. No. But look at the quality of TV. <laughs> Are you a Betty White <laughs> fan, Jeremy? No. I no of like you didn't have much. Com- for the creators, it was easy. There wasn't a ton of competition. Now think of all the, the premium networks and the add-ons you can do and the hosting and all that That's stuff. That's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing a lot of TV commentators say this is the golden age of TV because there's so much competition. There's so much good things on TV. They're, they're, for the viewers, yes. For the viewers, yes. I think yeah. that that's what I think that's the, the shift. Okay. Because okay. yeah. okay. yeah, they, uh, they got yeah. they got you me and all exactly. that. Exactly. Like you shared that statistic last you shared that statistic. I think it was last week. We were talking about technology and the fact that that the the TV share of a television show, you know, back in the fifties and sixties, you get two thirds to half the viewing audience easily. And now you're lucky if you get if you get ten percent, right? And because of that, TV has become hollow in that sense because you you can only get but you can only maximize so much of your reach right that that's what happened with radio the golden age of radio was was pre tv you know you only had but so many channels and so it was easy to to garner a lot of attention and so YouTube, etc. I think it's good for the viewer because it's, it's good what's for the happening viewer. is they're pouring more of their budgets into shows, it's, hoping to catch, it's a catch 22 you know, f- a slightly bigger piece of the pie than normally would. It's a catch-22 better for the viewer, Phil, because you can only invest but so much because the payout is only going to be so much. So in the end, it <laughs> don't kills. T- don't tell NBC that because they're bleeding money right, from their TV exactly. programs. Right, exactly. Think about radio. How, how is radio compared to... 
50, 60, yeah. 70 years see, ago. That's where radio was replaced by entirely new technology. Um, internet TV is not entirely new. It's still the same thing. It's, yes. it's, a, it's a delivery model that's changed. Yeah, it's a so, mirror, my, yeah. so TV's not going to go away. What's going to go away are broadcast networks. Right, right. But but what I'm what I'm saying is is because because YouTube has become so mainstream in that sense, so many people, more people are using it that that the ability for somebody just to come on the scene and become popular. I guess that's what I mean about the golden age of YouTube. As far as golden age in general, I suppose we might be on the sunrise of it being even a greater force than it has been in the past for YouTube and maybe for viewers. Great. But the gold because we're not going to get the we're not going to get the. 10 facts you didn't know about some TV star that someone spent 30 minutes in their basement Googling images and then doing a voiceover. They're not going to get the money doing something like that because um, they're using explicit images to get those clicks. And it just feels very gross to, to support something like that. And so advertisers won't get there. But I will also say that um, I think that the found the, the process of Google, Google itself, not YouTube. I think those are two different entities. The process of Google is to innovate and to get that process going to worry about their customers or viewers. Whereas TV stations were about trying to create a great product that made a lot of money. YouTube, I feel like is starting to become more like a TV network than it is what Google was. So I guess we'll kind of see, because if they keep the Google mentality, I think that they can do great things. If they go the routes of a TV corporation, then it's going to go downhill as far as like for the creators. Yeah. The, the, the day and age where, you know, an independent, an up and coming creative can become popular is, is, is going to end. And it's only going to be those that have clout, so to speak, that are going to be able to influence the scene. So in that sense, you know, the, the power of, of reach the power of of influence is is going to be held by far fewer hands than it has in the past and and that's both good and bad it's possible it could go that route but it's also possible that they keep with the tradition of google and they're just going to like youtube be what youtube's always been so i don't want to assume that but i know that they are getting in bed now with cable networks with youtube tv so I think it is possible they could go either way. And so in the next year or two, we'll kind of see what's going to happen. So I think that it's possible that Jeremy could still create his own YouTube channel and be moderately successful. But it was also possible that, oh, you're not established. Sorry, you're done for. Well, you know, I think what we need to realize, guys, is there always have been gatekeepers. That's true. And there will always continue to be gatekeepers. The difference is just how, how quick that gate will close. You know, saying how 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 stern are they with closing the gate? And I think that YouTube, this move they've made here is so far as not to close the gate, just to close a secondary gate towards compensation. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here. Others basically saying you can apply to have ads in your video, but you won't get a payout until you reach reach ten thousand views. They will still monetize for themselves, but they will not monetize for you. Right. So now my question is this, like if I, so if I open up a YouTube channel and I get put some videos on there and I, and I apply for AdWords or whatever, whatever the YouTube version of that's called, is it still Google AdWords, Google AdWords? Yes. Okay. I can apply for that. They'll put an ad on my video, but that money goes to Google until I get 10,000 views on that video or on my channel overall. Your channel overall. Okay. So when, when I reach that, that you threshold, to, you have to get 10,000 views for all of your videos combined. Okay. 
Well, for every for every video or a total of all my videos? Total of everything. Okay. So my question then is, if I've had AdWords on my on my street, one, can I put AdWords on my video on my videos before I hit ten thousand views? Um, and yes. two. If I do and I hit 10,000 views, do they retrospectively pay me or is it no. all money? I'll go to Google. Well, they will not pay you the, the 20 cents that you just earned. No, they will not. Yeah, but they'll, okay. they'll put them up. So there's no point in putting ads up until you reach 10,000 views. Which I suppose, relatively speaking, 10,000. Well, my guess is you're not following it like a hawk. And so you probably want to do that in case something blows up. So I would say you should still do it. Oh, uh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Because that's, that's 10, that's 10 videos with a thousand views. It's not, a, it's not a huge number per se. Right, but if you're just starting out, though, I mean, if I put on, like, I'm a pretty funny guy. If I did a funny video and put it up on YouTube, I'm not going to get a thousand views in a right. year. I mean, my own personal, my own personal channel, I'm only at five thousand views, so it's not like how many, anywhere near. How many videos like is that, that, Jeremy? How many videos is that? Uh, at least a hundred. So yeah, so yeah, look at that. That's like, like fifty views per video. Yeah, at the same time, I put some old college video project videos up, and it's. It's uh, I think it's at forty thousand. Um, it it had broke ten thousand like years and years and years and years ago. It only took a couple of years or so of it being on YouTube to to break that threshold. It just it just depends on what the content is. So if you go even just the tiny 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 little bit viral, you can you can push into that. For the flip side, I know maybe I came across a little negative about them putting it in there, but I mean, in some in some ways, is ten thousand views hard to reach? Yes, it is. In some ways. It's also not difficult. Yeah, I mean, I get it. If you're producing good content, uh, video video goes viral faster than blog posts. You know, it's like kind of why, like, I wish, like, as a writer, I wish I was more of an on on camera guy because videos, in one sense, easier than than blog posts. But video is quickly becoming a crowded market because video is easier than blog sure. posts. Well, I mean, it's so. just the whole, whole overall thing. I don't think that Church Mag does amazing job with YouTube, but at the same time, they are almost 50,000 views already. So it's not like it's, I think it's the whole process. Let me clarify for some of YouTubers get mad at me. I don't mean production's easier. I mean, it's easier to share a video and and, and for folks to consume a video than it is to share and consume a blog post. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's cause it's passive. It's a cool medium. Yeah. It's it's passive medium. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's easier just to flip, you know? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Yes and no. Uh, it sounds kind of big, and now that we're talking about it, maybe it isn't <laughs> quite the obstacle as I was originally thinking. But nonetheless, it's a change, and that is certainly the direction we're going. Um, I, I imagine that we'll see that threshold increased again. I, I, I highly doubt we've seen the end of that of that threshold. I don't think they'll increase anytime soon. I think that they're going to get enough free money out of this. And it's gonna it's gonna help kind of clear the field of some like uh, like ridiculous players who shouldn't be on be on there. This helps them cut down people who are using ad revenue from um, bootleg content or from inappropriate and ridiculous content. Yeah, you know, yeah, right. The people that will take a popular video and put it up with the same name and try to eclipse the original. I just, I yeah, that can't that that's scraping scraping must stop. Well, that, that's so. actually good for the creators because they have such good quality uh, content ideas that almost instantly that stuff gets flagged and the original person gets the money from that. So that actually doesn't work anymore. So it's not been an issue as far as YouTube. I mean, it still happens all the time, but if they put ads on it, the person that created that contents is the one, I mean, they have 30 days to claim all that money and it's, it's so easy to just, sorry, you're using my content. I'm going to take that for me. And I will have to say that, you know, in general production costs have, 
declined for 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 making quality anything audio video the way the technology moves yeah as long as you're not putting a ton of uh special effects or something yeah special effects yeah and even that's easier to produce now mm-hmm. yeah yeah like like the guy who does the youtube videos where his son does something and then he he puts in the um the effects oh, yeah, of that lava guy. yeah, yeah. Even, the, even the sean king um vine videos of yesteryear. of yesteryear yeah remember vine remember everyone churches you need to be on periscope churches you need to be on vine did you hear church mag saying that no you did not and you know what you're welcome <laughs> am i right guys like we didn't tell anybody to do that i felt so much pressure that we needed to do that too but we didn't and look at in the end all that was was a flipping waste of time for people yeah yep they're both dead Send us an email, subscribe, and search for previous episodes of the Church Mag podcast by visiting Church Mag. you find a link on the main menu, go to churchm.ag. That's Church Mag, churchm.ag. Please leave us a review on iTunes, and don't forget to tell your church tech friends all about Church Mag. Until next week. The Church Mag podcast is proudly hosted on buzzsprout.com.